0: It's Chanel. Hey, hey, it's Chris. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Also, guys, I can't sing, so my bad. Uh, but I'm glad you're joining us for another episode. Uh, we are so glad to have you here today. Whoop, whoop.
1: Yes, welcome back. And in true SSBD format, we're going to start uh, with how we are feeling. Today, Chanel, I am I'm feeling alive. And yeah. grateful. I think grateful always is going to be a part of my list of feelings, and I maybe even said that before. And I am feeling alive because I have been actively practicing a new mantra and uh, a, a new tradition, if you will. So there is a, a phenomenal uh, woman who lives in Charlotte. Her name is Crystal the Oracle, and mm. she makes she makes potions, and yes. so. Uh, A potion that I purchased from her is called pure power. And so after every shower, I will put this potion on my feet, around my waistline, my sternum, and my shoulders. And I say this mantra, I move mountains with the purity of my power. And that has been doing something beautiful to my mind where this morning I was able to get up, focus on my mobility, do some grounding work, made myself an amazing breakfast and a cup of coffee all before sitting down to record this so i'm i am proud of myself uh and i'm i'm just grateful for choosing those options
0: i'm laughing because i love that for you and that is not my morning
1: Same, same, but different.
0: (laughs) Oh, so different. So, so different. So it's funny because it makes me think. A while ago, we decided if we ever had, like, meetings or ever needed to travel, that you would take the morning shift and I would take the night shift because we are not the same. (laughs) We'll meet in the middle. Oh, my God. I, like, barely threw together coffee and there's a granola bar half eaten on my desk. So there's that. Um, All of that being said, this morning, I'm really, really – I'm actually jazzed. I it is it's wild because I get this overwhelming sense and feeling that things are not as they seem
1: and Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. momentum
0: coming and there's nothing right now like in my hand tangible that speaks to that but it is just this overwhelming feeling of like momentum and like stepping into like something new is coming and I don't know if it's actually, or if I'm just calling it, but either way, it'll show up. Um, But I just, I'm really jazzed for this thing that I can't quite name or see or articulate right now, but I can feel it so deeply and it's, it's wild because trying to explain that, but it just, it just feels like so much goodness is coming. And I, today I'm just going to ride the wave for that.
1: I love the certainty and the faith In that, like not knowing what this thing is, but having this feeling and embracing it and having certainty and faith that this thing is coming. Uh, And I I think that is a a beautiful segue into today's conversation around redefining success.
0: Oh, I see what you did there, but I like it. I like it.
1: (laughs) Here's the great thing. I was like, I'm in my mind. I'm thinking like, oh, it's such a great setup. Chanel, I see what you did. I'm picking it up. I'm going to volley it back.
0: Go. <laughs> we are so not sports people but i love it i love it that's i have
1: cool. too many sports references uh, it's a false advertising
0: <laughs> we got the handoff that's all that matters um yeah so that's actually perfect i think um the thing that comes to mind for me is i remember mid late 20s i don't remember exactly how old i was i was having this conversation with a friend of mine and i often like have these deep deep questions that i turn on for a minute and so then i'll <laughs> use my friends especially before i had a therapist i'll use all my friends to like you know go through all my deep philosophical musings with and i remember very keenly calling this friend and i was like i don't what now like i got into my mid to late 20s and i was like i got the degree i did i, I had this great experience in india i say great now it was it was hard at the time uh, you know, did that. I got a job when I came back. I started my master's program. At this point, I could see the end of my master's program. And I was like, now what? Like I checked all the boxes. I did everything I was supposed to do. I went through school. I busted my ass. I got these grades. I worked really hard. Like now what? Okay. I'm supposed to get on the checklist. I'm supposed to get married. I'm supposed to buy a house. I'm supposed to like stop popping out kids, get a house, a dog or two, I don't know why it's a white picket fence, but get a white picket fence and like, you know, battle between an SUV and a minivan, right? Like that's my life's goal. And I was like, I'm not ready for any of it. And I don't think that I, I don't even know that I want it, but I was like the rest of the checklist involved other people. And I was like, do I get one at Target? Like, can I pick up a husband at Target or is this an Amazon two day delivery? Like, how does this work? Um, But just like trying to think like what's next. And it was just so frustrating this moment of like what I think should have felt like freedom. And it just felt like a free fall or like, you know, if you're in the middle of a pool or you dive, there's this moment where you're underwater and you're like, Oh, which way's up? And it's just like, there's a lot of water that I'm under right now. And it's, and it's exciting. It makes me think about that Brene Brown quote, like right? Like, fear and excitement are the same thing, but it's perspective. And I was like, mm. I wasn't choosing excitement. I was like straight sitting in fear. I was like, There's no more boxes to check. Like how do I can't how do I how do I check the rest of these boxes? And it was just this moment of like pure panic. Uh yeah, I don't I don't even know. It's like where do I go from now? Go from here and just trying to, you know.
1: Own that, yeah. You know, it's I uh, I can relate, and I, in, in hearing you, I've had a series of those those moments, and uh, I I love that you call out the American dream, right? The white picket fence, the SUV versus the, um, you know, the the minivan, and it's it's like this this very much uh, middle class American dream. I'm going to do uh, a Netflix plug here. Uh, and so there's a, a, this great documentary, a little docu-series uh, that actually features uh, President Obama.
0: Oh, I just started it.
1: Oh, so good. Right. I got
0: so excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, it's really good. And it's, it's. Uh, I'll probably mess the title up, so help me up here if you remember it. But it's like, work, what we do all day, something along those lines, on mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. On Netflix. Uh, It's really, really good. And he, you know, he talks about this uh, middle-class American dream and he talks about how that was rooted in um, colonization. So, Working
0: what we do all day. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Working what we do all day. Thank you for that. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I I just, I, I say that to say, I really just do appreciate that you bring that up because I know, you know, based on how I grew up and with the parents that, that was the goal. You know, it it was, and in that goal, it was like, you have to struggle. You have to work hard and working hard meant with your hands. I mean, even even to this day, you know, I love my dad and I, my dad didn't grow up with his parents, both his parents passed when he was really young. And Mm -hmm. so even if they lived, I wonder what kind of lessons he would have gotten around, what it means to the difference between a knowledge worker and a service worker. You know, service worker being someone that works with their hands, knowledge worker being someone that works with their minds. I am a knowledge worker. And although I've tried to be the service worker throughout my life, that just doesn't work for me. And when I think about my relationship with my dad, one of our biggest disconnections is in work because for him and his generation his work was tied to who he was yeah and his relationships and, and and his his idea of success right his white picket fence his cars his houses all those things and for me most of that that doesn't really work with the extent excuse me with the exception that i want my work to be a part of me
0: Versus. I want want my work to be a part of me, like part of your identity.
1: You want? Yes. I want it to be. I want there to be this consistent thing uh, where I don't have to go to work and be one thing or I don't have (laughs) to do a job to make ends meet so that I can be something else. I I want it. I want it to be completely fluid. I want my, my work to reflect my dreams and my dreams to reflect my work. And I think that's one way you know I define success, and diving a little bit deeper into that success is a menagerie of emotions and feelings for me
0: yeah actually it it makes me think it's now that you bring up the obama uh project, the working, there's this quote in the second or third episode where he ask somebody like what the job means for them or like what, what working means for them. And he points out that his mother-in-law and his mom both like went to work as a means to an end, like it was money. And now the the idea and the um, push is that work is your source of fulfillment. And that is something that they never would have thought. Like it's a complete paradigm shift in what work represents in your life. So, so hearing that I want work to be a part of me Even in hearing that, like that is a new concept. And as we think about the way that, as we're redefining success, as we think about the way that, you know, we got success or the definitions of success from our parents, like that is a completely different foundational, motivational, mission-driven shift. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, I think talk about
1: like, you know, values, right? And, uh, you know, if, if we look at the, you know, capitalistic country that we live in, you know 99.9% of the time we as a society are okay with making money off the backs of people and not thinking about the morals and values that that implicates yeah you know and that's one of the reasons why i i personally want a consistency and i want my work to reflect my dreams and my dreams to reflect my work like that is just really important to me right because otherwise i'm just living this nightmare that was been prescribed by somebody else. And 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 that that does not define success, you know, for me. I, I become a, a sheep in that. And to separate yourself and to redefine success from all that you've ever known is really challenging, especially if you are around a sea of people who still embrace someone else's idea of success. You know, tons of make wrong, tons of foolishness. You know, again in the in the Netflix series, there's one uh, young guy who wants, who's a musician and he wants to be a producer. And uh, he, there's a, a scene where he's having dinner with his family, and his family is discouraging him from from doing anything in art, any form of art, not even just his yeah. music. You know, and and he says he's like, it definitely is hard, especially when I have no encouragement around it. You know, and, and I mean, this is and when I say young man, I mean, he's our age. You know, it's, it's not like this is just some some child and his for his I
0: parents. <laughs> <laughs> <Me too.
1: laughs> uh, don't let the gray hairs school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's I, I think it's interesting when you I think if if you. If our listeners, especially, choose to watch this docu series, uh, working the things we do all day on Netflix, I, I could imagine that many of them would relate to the the stories that are in there. Much like they may relate to to our stories, and if I look back at the examples of success I had, you know, it it was rooted in having to sell a part of yourself, yeah, having having to give up your time, your talent, your treasure in for something that that didn't equal you know, you're receiving this thing that didn't necessarily officially honor you and all that you are offering, especially the sacrifices that you make to bust out anywhere from 10 up to sometimes 16 hours of work and then you come home completely depleted and you can't enjoy the things that you are working so hard for I think we always leave space for us to che- yeah give us two weeks check in in two weeks and we might have a different a response right the freedom to change our minds and that might be an aspect of success for you uh, but what is what does it look like what does success look like to you now like how do you or how are you redefining success today
0: yeah. So I think my younger self would have, I'll start there, but I think my younger self would have wanted a really nice job and a really big house. And I think I would have defined success around, um, status and like status, power, material things. So having the house, having a good car, having a job, you know, with, you know, great benefits and then working my way up a rank, uh, you know, working my way up through titles or through even through companies to bigger companies, more, bigger, better. And, uh, success now, especially in the last two years, largely is, is more of a balance for me in that I want to, to your point about, um, having feeling good in what it is that you're doing. I want to, I want to, and this feels so like millennial of me, but I want to feel good about what it is that I'm like doing i want something to have a good mission a good focus behind it i want to actively and that's not necessarily like nonprofit. it's just like that whatever i'm doing makes sense and it feels like it's moving us forward and contributing in a meaningful way to society but it's also about having enough space to live to have enough space and and resources for me to live for me to take the vacations that i need for me to have the space to have a mental health day or take a sick day. And that's not just like, oh, a job that offers it, but a culture that supports me taking it,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: to, to have the space to celebrate and, and prioritize spending time with friends and families, you know, parties and birthdays and weddings that I do not feel bad or feel like I'm, you know, sending emails under the, the dinner table or something, you know, that it is enough space to do all the wellness things that I would like to do that I can, you know, of course, you know, regular annual visits to the doctor and things like that, but that I have space to lean into, you know, meditation workshops or I know you did an amazing breathwork session a couple of months ago or floats or what like that to me is the self care. Like yes, yeah, so of course it feels great to go get my hair and nails done, but like I I want to get a massage on a regular. <laughs> like I like every week. Like Thank you, you know, or or be able to to do PT and have, you know, or the stretching like the stretch. What are, what are those? There's like. um, There's these new like clinics that are popping up everywhere where they do like intensive stretching with you. But like whatever it is, like I want to have that balance that I have the time to, to, to actually do these things, you know, and that it's not a burden to like do self-care but then also have the money to do it. And then, you know, I'm not above working. Like I want to work and I want to contribute and I want, but I want that to like, I don't know, mean something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think all that's beautiful and, and completely relatable. You know, I, there's so much of that that I would echo within myself. And I think as I started my journey of redefining success, I certainly didn't know that that's what I was doing. When I first started it and to be here now and to be able to reflect and see some of those things, uh, that's where the gratitude comes in and also the grace for myself. Because at first there was lots of shame, blame, and guilt that was projected on me. And all of that shame, blame, and guilt that was projected on me could never amount or be as strong as the shame, blame, and guilt that I inflicted on myself myself. Um, You know, to your point of like, I got to send this email right now. You know, I need to respond to this. You know, there are some business owners who I appreciate. I had to actually... Curb myself for a hot minute because of the Amazon culture, big business, right? Delivery process, you know, overnight, next day delivery versus when you're operating with a small business. I was so excited about this potion that I got from Crystal the Oracle. And I was like, this is taking forever. Am I looking for tracking and all these things? And I, you know, I felt myself projecting sta- unrealistic standards, Because of these bigger boxer companies where I can get something so quickly, right? And that I, in that moment when I felt, you know, I, again, because success is feelings for me, I use my feelings to gauge who and how I'm being and then deciding if that works for me or not. So in that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm being a a dick about this. And, and really it's rooted in my excitement uh, and rather than allowing myself to feel excited and anticipate this thing,
0: yeah,
1: man. I am projecting this unrealistic expectation and standard um, that is Amazon onto this small business person and making her and it all wrong, right? And so I I as I go through my day, redefining success for me is moment by moment. Yeah. And I realize I it has to be that. For me, because if I end up looking at success as this huge thing, you know, I it's a little more daunting mm-hmm. and it's easier for me to make, to celebrate the small wins, you know, yeah. and to your point about the experiences you get to have even beyond making money. I think that's our idea of success is always rooted in money being a big outcome. And for me, I think about, the relational stuff, who I get to be in the world, you know, and if I get to to a point where I get to do all of that and make money at the same time, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Right? right. And I still have so much work and foundation to lay and things to learn in what success is before I even get to that. I I think about when I was doing all the prescribed things, I, I went to college, you know, and that's, I went to college not because my parents told me, that I needed to. Uh, My dad didn't graduate high school. My mom did graduate high school and she had to be, uh, she had a dream of being coming a seamstress and she never got to fulfill that dream. My dad went right into the labor force right after that. And I learned about college through, the first time I ever um, heard about college was through a a TV show, Seventh Heaven. and uh, That
0: will always crack me up. (laughs) Yes.
1: Jessica Biel was going away to college and it wasn't, it wasn't college at all that was inspiring to me, it was how her family was being around it, how they were excited, but also really sad because she was moving on to a next chapter and she wouldn't be as home as much. And watching them pack up the car and her saying goodbye to everybody, like that was so moving to me. And I was like, I want that experience. So from a very young age, success wasn't accomplishing these other things it was more rooted in feelings for me but it took me a long to long time to realize that especially after doing the college thing and much like you graduation day I'm all suited up my family's there I'm feeling great and while I'm sitting listening to whatever they're saying because I wasn't really listening uh and waiting for my name that's I, all
0: I, anyone does at graduation
1: Right, just wait. Wait for your name. Wait for the yeah, part.
0: Like Oprah's your your you know guest speaker, but everybody yeah. else is like,
1: You're right. I definitely would have been listening if Oprah was like <laughs> definitely would have been listening. You know, I I remember sitting there thinking like, well, now what? I mean, is it is it really just that I go out in the world and and start working, knowing that that would look nothing like my college experience based on how it was prescribed? Am I going to be able to learn and play? and work, you know, in the same way that I would in college, you know, and, and things aren't set up the same way. Things aren't supported in our society the same way. There's no clubs and organizations with people standing on corners, handing out flyers saying, join our club, you know? Um, I mean, and now it looks a little bit different because it's digital with Facebook groups and whatnot. And I think over time people have created simulations or things that are similar to that. Um, but when I first graduated college, it just, it just, it just wasn't that. You know, and
0: I mean, it's just so growing up for me, the mark of success of so my, my family's similar. My dad did not graduate from high school. Uh, his dad died when he was really young and he being the oldest male in the family took care of his family, including supporting his mom with all sorts of odd ends and like odd jobs. Like this is why the man can fix anything. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that was his experience. My mom got her associate's degree Uh But literally my entire life, it was study hard. Your job, like my mom was, and my mom busted her butt. Your job is school. And so she encouraged every club, every activity. Like there was one point, bless her heart. If you call her right now, she'd probably be like, eighth grade almost kills me. Cause it was like, she would get home and be like, all right, it's time to go. She's like, again, already? Like I just got home. Cause I was in like so many clubs and all of these things because that's what I was told to do. Like my grandmother- From a very young age and i will not tell you the full the full quote of this because it's not pc but like from a very young age my grandmother was like study hard because you have expensive taste um and so like that was my entire messaging it was study hard academics was my job that was what all i was supposed to focus on so i'm busting my butt in high school bending over backwards. Yes. I will sign up for this more competitive program. Yes. I will do this thing. Yes. I will go harder and longer and, and bust my butt and even not even make it. But the point was, I was going to try get to college and I'm trying to do all these things, internships and whatever. And, you know, it was hard for me admittedly, cause I did not with this, with this level in my brain, I didn't achieve what I wanted to like, honestly in either high school or undergrad. And so when I left, I came back and I was like, I'm getting my master's and this is what I'm going to do because I knew how to be a student. Right. Plus I got a degree in psychology and graduated in a recession when like, which is also like the biggest, like, forgive me, but clusterfuck, you are told to go to school and get this job. So literally on the lawn, sweating it out in a black cap and gown is like, now what is the epitome of like, what's next when there are people, veterans 30 how many years of experience in a field and they can't get jobs everybody's losing their house and everything and i'm supposed to like and student loans hey uh come pay us and i got a degree in psychology what do you do with the bs in psychology what do you do with that like i really i love it but i really need them to like put disclaimers in the like little guidebook for like your job prospects with these things and i think i always knew that i would like probably need to get another degree but i didn't think i wouldn't like really get any work like what psychology degree in recession is a joke um that is my experience i hope it worked out very differently for other people but again um so i went and got my masters because i was told to be a really good student and so graduating and i was like i busted my butt i think it was one class this one semester and it almost broke me i was like i got a 3.9 gpa for my masters program no one not ever once has asked me what my gpa was Mm. not once and I, and part of it was like personal validation because again the previous graduations but like can i tell you how disappointing that is like i might actually now that i say this as redemption for myself might make a t-shirt that says i had a 3.9 for my catch <laughs> because oh, no one has ever asked and it does not matter yeah. it does not matter and it's one of like and i will get on the soapbox about this but like having worked in youth development for years, everyone's like, oh, go to college. And we want to get everybody to graduate college. And especially working with like uh, low income or students from low income backgrounds or, you know, minority students, the big messaging is go to college, go to college. And the message I always tell them, which may or may not be a popular opinion is like, if, if you go to college, have a plan. Do not let anyone else define how you do it. It doesn't have to be four years. It may be five or maybe six. It may be three. Like you get to decide but however you're doing it have a plan based on your finances based on your life circumstances to get through it because it's not always cracked up to be and like on the employer side like working in that in between the space like oh we need people to have a four year degree for what do you know what that degree means a degree from harvard and a degree from the small university with the 600 students down the street is not the same degree and also did you earn your degree from an Ivy league or did you pay for it? Like, and what does that translate to? So anyway, that's my soapbox, but like redefining success, we hold ourselves to these standards of like college and degrees and all of these things that are outside of ourselves, but it doesn't speak to the experience. And so both from internally, like how you define your success, but also the systems, like if you're in a privileged position to measure success that you check yourself, like, what are you asking for? And what does that actually tangibly mean? And how does that translate to what it is, whether it's the job or the circumstance that it's applying for, applying to, like, how does that translate? Anyway, I stood on the soapbox a little bit longer than I intended to, sorry. <laughs> no, this is,
1: it's it's so good because so much of what you're talking about, when I hear you, it's, it's the power of intergenerational relationships, you know, and I think it's the gift of having different generations because through storytelling uh, and through legacy and family, we get to learn things, right? And like, for you, your grandmother, I imagine her lesson around like, get your education because you have expensive taste. Um, You know, some of that came probably from her experience, right? And I think about, you know, although usually older generations, you know, including us millennials, we always have something um, not so nice to say about the future generation and, they are a conglomerate of the lessons that we have learned or needed to learn and we haven't, right? Right. I think one of the things I love about this new generation is the, for me, I like to call this generation the YouTube university generation. You know, they are going on YouTube. They are teaching themselves how to do things. You know, I mean, I've had a friend who she she loves learning and she was like, you know what? I want to learn how to make balloon animals. And she went and brought balloons. She sat and watched YouTube videos. For hours and learn how to do and not that she's ever gonna do anything with that, right? <laughs> like beyond just, wanting to,
0: happy.
1: Right, just beyond wanting to learn it. But how much different is that going to additional college and spending thousands of dollars? Or how much different is that like learning geometry in high school and you're never gonna do anything with it? And you probably aren't having as much fun doing that well, as you might
0: that the electives were jokes anyway, basket weaving, which no shade against anyone who makes the basket does basket weaving, but like that's a college elective. How much am I paying you to learn basket weaving when I could be online? Also, my mother, she'd be so happy right now. She likes to think of herself as part of the YouTube University era. So that's not just an age thing. So just decided.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the that's the great thing about YouTube is that it's so expansive. You know, and I, I think there's just so much more access today. And, and in that, for me, redefining success is when I look at my life every day, having a certain level of discipline that allows me to take on the moments throughout my day in a way that leaves me feeling empowered and or magical. So when we read, we're talking about redefining success, it, it like, where does your perspective come from? Is it your perspective? Is it a societal perspective? Is it a familial perspective? And are you embracing it because you actually processed, reflected on that? And are you choosing it? Or are you just kind of checking all the boxes and going, going with the flow? And I, I, it always kills me when I talk to people like, oh, I'm just going with the flow. Whose flow? Can we talk about that? Are you going with your flow or someone else's?
0: I want to like underscore and like highlight all over your face right now. And that's not how this works. But like, I mean, yeah, exclamation point, exclamation point. I mean, that is the biggest thing. Like, where uh, that moment that I, that I talked about when we started this is like, when did I, like, it was that moment. It was, okay, what's next? But it was, it was also this like literally mind blowing emoji, this, uh, of like, oh, who gave me the checklist? Where did I get it from? And like, do I like this checklist? What do I do with this? And and I think one of the biggest things that like, when you stop to process that I'm really, really understanding is success comes with responsibility, right? Like, and this is, this is the part that frustrates me. And I don't think we talk about it enough, but like yeah, you see the social media, you see the highlights real, you see celebrities, you see Oprah, you see LeBron, you see whoever you see, right? Whoever you idolize, whatever you look at, but you don't see what it takes to be that person. Every job, every role, every everything, you know, we like, like, even, I think there's <laughs> no better example that has blown up in the last year than like Prince Harry, everyone would be like, Oh, he's, royalty. He doesn't have to work. All he has to do is stand there and look pretty. He was living in a prison. Like everything has a trade-off. And so climbing this ladder, climbing these jobs, you know, like for me, this idea of like do more, do better. No one talks about how like the more you climb, the more narrow the range of jobs is, the more responsibility, the more people you have to hold on to or, or support or coach or whatever, all of the things that go into that. No one talks about the fact that, Okay, as you climb a ladder, at a certain point you go from salary to exempt, and so what was a hard forty hours with maybe overtime pay is now emailing under the table at weddings and family functions, or not showing up at all. You know, I will never forget when my uncle, when I was much younger, <laughs> my sweet, sweet, uncle, he called me homeless because I was never at my house when he saw me. Um, <laughs> he's like, "Carolyn and I was like, "No, no, no, I'm home full. I have many homes." Nice. Um, <laughs> He's like homeless. And he had this, oh my God, he had the deepest voice. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. He was a doctor, right? He was no an BGYN and he was like world-class, amazing, pioneer, cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And I remember him in my childhood often showing up late or like kind of on the fringe of events. And he was always in scrubs because he was delivering babies. So he was always on call and everyone was like, oh yeah, that's the job because he had a nice car, cars, big house and all of these things. But he was often missing the family events, or he was on the edge of it, or he was not able to fully engage, whether that's getting dressed or like leading a thing, because he was on call to deliver somebody's baby. And it was, you know, that is the job that everyone, doctors and lawyers, you know, like that is the thing that we're supposed to, to, to lean into, but at what cost? And I don't think that's what we talk about, right? Like, And we turn our nose up at quote unquote blue collar jobs or hand labor. Like, what did you call it earlier? Knowledge based jobs or service, 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 service skills based jobs. Right. But you're also reliable. You're also home to be there for your family. You're also like, and I just wish we could celebrate making a whole decision more. I clearly have lots of feelings about this. I'm realizing as I'm talking about this, just like the level of energy, but it's just we don't talk about the trade-offs. And, and for me, like, do I want to back myself into a corner? Okay. You know, once you become a certain level or you get to a certain niche of a job, then the only thing left is C-suite. And when you're C-suite, you're not in the, the, the minutiae of the work that got you there. You are managing people. You are in leadership. You are not in the mission of the job that got you started. And that is a really hard thing to swallow and to understand and a choice to make. But we don't, I, I think societally, we don't give people space because of money and because of the prestige. Oh, you've been in the same job for 10 years. Hmm, what's wrong with you? No. What if it was just the choice I wanted? What if that was the joy? What if I want to stay connected to the kids that I work with every day? And the idea of being a VP means I'm no longer talking to teachers and kids. I'm talking to other, other you know, power people around the city and constantly asking for money. Like that's not the same job. Yes. It's the same organization, but it's not the same job. Anyway, the trade-offs, I don't think we make space to talk about the trade-offs and the responsibility that goes with these jobs. And so in the redefining success, like look at the whole picture and what, who do you want to be and how do you get to show up? Anyway, I'm going to stop talking.
1: (laughs) No, I think it's, it's so good. And when you, when you say, who do you want to be and how do you show up? You know, when I, when I first left the the company that I was with to pursue a whole new field and and go back to school, an aspect that I didn't know that I would, would get to do and really enjoy uh, as far as like who I get to be is, you know, uh, a, a car line uncle for two of my nephews twice a week. You know, I, in my, in my previous life, you know, when I was living someone else's definition of success and I was in the events industry and the food and beverage industry, I worked long hours. i to your earlier points. I missed family functions. I missed moments, you know, with my older nieces and nephews. Uh, I was a no a, a lot of time. And now I, because I say, so I get to be a, an active part in these young people's lives. And that is so fulfilling because I get to learn so much about myself through them. And when every day, even sometimes when I drop them off, I'm exhausted, you know, it still feels like success to me, you know, uh, because of that, that human interaction, because of the role, the part that I get to play in their lives and how important that is to me. And I've never felt that way in any job that I've ever had before, not authentically, you know i think that you know success from a from a traditional job perspective is um fantasized through the accolades or the rewards you know i think even there was there's an article i was reading this morning about a young girl who got perfect attendance for 17 years of her life, she's never even preschool, never, ever, ever missed a day. And as I scroll through the comments, you see some people saying, "I feel so sad for her." What does it mean? Has she ever not been sick? Does she have perfect immune or immune uh, immune yeah. system? Or you know, did her parents make her go to school sick and she get other kids sick? And and while those are all viable arguments, all I can help but think is like an employer would absolutely love someone like her. And, and if she's not going to be an employee and she becomes the employer, I hope she doesn't inflict that expectation onto other people. Onto herself. Or herself. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that's even bigger. That's a bigger point, right? And so it's these little things that I get to be now that I am realizing that I did inflict it. Yes, while it's someone else's narrative, you know, while I, was, I, I lived into someone else's definition of success, there's still very much... I chose that whether I realized it or not. And now that I get to realize that and I'm focusing more on my individual power, my say-so, I have, I do feel you, I love that you use the word responsibility because for me, how I define responsibility is ownership.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In fact, I, re- I define responsibility as individual ownership, right? Uh, where a collective ownership is accountability. Right. It's the we. And for most things in my life, when I look at responsibility, like what am I owning or what am I avoiding? You know, um, how, how do I do I have a whole say so? And when it comes to where I put myself physically, mentally, emotionally, how I give my time or share my time, you know, what I'm doing with my talents and my treasure and my time like that. That's my responsibility.
0: Yeah, I have
1: the whole say so I get to not have to. I get to take Ownership, responsibility for that. And if ever once I am feeling strapped, not valued, stuck, forced, I have to understand that I'm, that's my perspective and that is self-inflicted because yes, while I need to make money, yes, while bills get to be paid, I get to choose what all that looks like. Yeah. and and you don't know the difference if you are living in someone else's definition of success which just brings me back to that question i think this is a big question for for you know our listeners what does success mean to you yeah is it your definition you know of success if not what is what is it what is How do you define that for yourself? Why do you start looking at it differently and constructively, right? Not the blame, shame, guilt. Don't blame your parents. Don't shame yourself, right? Just look at it for what it is and what it isn't and try to find a flow that works for you in the, in the emotions around like, okay, if this is not my definition of success How do I start to define that? Right. We have the wonderful world of the Internet. You have beautiful podcasts like this and others that can give perspective. Right. And then ask yourself, if I were going to define success for myself, who would I get to be? What do I look like? Right. how, How do I make money? In all of that, because I know I keep bringing up money, even though we didn't start the conversation with this, which I love. I appreciate that we didn't start this conversation around money with success. I know that success and money are are very rooted together for many, many, many people in society. And while I would, again, I would like to get to that point in my life, you know, I'm not just there yet. And so as I redefine success, I'm still discovering how I can feel and be the most empowered and make
0: money into that. Well, and I think just as a note, like money is a tool, right? Mm. Like money in and of itself, like holding it has no, no value. I'm sure somebody would argue with me, but like it as a piece of paper does nothing for me. It is, it is what you, the value you assign to it. So whether that's security, whether that's access, whether that's like you get to define. And so I would encourage you as you're defining success while money is a part of it, what does money mean to you? What would you do with the money? And then how do you make the, the outcome or the thing that you would purchase with money be the thing that you use to define success, not the money in and of itself, because that's, that's only partially answering the question. What does the money do for you?
1: Yeah. I love that. And I think even in wh- when it comes to success and money, what has helped me is as I redefine this is I resort back to my feelings and my emotions. Like when I'm doing this thing for money or for work, right or if i'm doing this in hopes to be successful how do i feel when i'm doing it how do i feel you know when when it's all said and done whether it's a task or whatever and if if i'm not feeling empowered and or magical then i now know ah okay i may need to revisit what it is i'm doing or i may need to revisit my perspective around success or even my perspective around to your beautiful point money yeah Yeah, you know, and I I just want to speak to anyone who is listening to this. Uh, First, thank you for all who are listening and/or watching, um, because we're on YouTube. If if you find yourself, you know, sitting here and you know, maybe using your loud facial expressions, um, you know, and thinking like, "Yes, and that takes privilege," I would just love to give you a different thought because I agree. What everything we're talking about does come with a certain level of access and privilege and the biggest privilege that we all have is our perspective and our say so and so if this conversation if is re- you feel yourself resisting it or you're uncomfortable my invitation is to sit with that growing edge because they're usually for me when something makes me uncomfortable or or I feel some type of way. I know that's something that I really need to lean into. And there's a lesson there for me. So I will round this out with saying don't miss the message because you don't agree with the messengers.
0: Yeah. And, and success looks different at different stages. And I think we would, if we pulled people and asked what a definition of success looked like, it would be very different for every decade. You know different milestones in people's life and so just give yourself that space uh again maybe it's not two weeks for you but redefine it as you need to
1: yeah baby steps i appreciate the invitation and with that thank y'all for listening
0: we're out (laughs) bye Thank you for joining us for this episode. It is a privilege to share our experiences and reflections with you. Our goal isn't to have you just agree with us. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to look within and consider some of the same questions and perspectives for yourself.
1: We invite you to continue to curate a brave space for yourself, exploring and embracing your growth and celebrating your power, ownership, peace, and joy. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at ssbd.thepodcast. We look forward to connecting with you. Follow and share the podcast on all major platforms. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast as that helps us grow.